excretion. <laughs> oh, I just slated myself. I just slated myself. <laughs> we all good? Yeah. Okay, sick. Bryn, hello. Hello. How are you? I'm very well. Yeah? Very well. What's sipping on sipping on this lovely licorice on the, tea. On the brew? On the brew. The pucker. It's nice. Are you a tea drinker? Yeah, I go through phases. I yeah. go through phases. Sometimes I'll be drinking like like during lockdown, I think. Being at home, I was drinking like five or six cups a day. It's kind of when I remember that I like it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I like tea. And then I'll, I'll go through like a fortnight of just drinking heaps of tea. Yeah, it's so good. It's like, especially the herbal stuff. You know, it's some like enchanting, Oops. hypnotizing drink. Yeah. It's so good. Are you, do you drink coffee as well? I do. I do. Mm. I love coffee. But in the, recently I've... I've really struggled with coffee it's just it makes me so anxious ah right it's, yeah i've never well maybe i have had it but maybe i just haven't kind of realized what was going on but like it's just a i just roll the dice now every time i have a coffee mm. like, sometimes it'll be great but then 50 50 i could just be like a nervous wreck for the rest of the day which sucks because i love coffee and like i love the like the like the routine of getting a coffee in the morning. Like I love getting up and going and getting a coffee or like ma- I've got like a, like a coffee machine at home. Love making it. But yeah. So I'm, I'm onto decaf a bit. Yeah. Decaf. Decaf yeah. is really good. It's I, so good. Yeah. It is. I also don't drink coffee and like haven't ever really mm. had coffee for that precise reason. Mm. Like, you know, the, the like huge spike, yep. the weird like rushing thoughts, like fixating on shit. Um, heartbeat just increases yeah and the other thing is as well like we were talking about before about like dehydration like if you wake up in the morning and you just and you drink a coffee and you haven't drunk any water you're starting the day like doubly dehydrated and even if i do make an effort to drink water before i have coffee it's still like i sometimes i still i can just feel my body being like i need water yeah i need it (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And the coffee, like, whenever I drink it, it's... When I, when I have had it in the past, it's been for, like, this really kind of toxic productivity yeah, psychology right. reason. You know, it's been, like, I have a lot to do. Like, low mood, low energy. Mm. I need something. So, I have a coffee. And it works, you know. I kind of, like, get in this, like, elevated mood. But then I forget all the important stuff like you know don't drink water like it suppresses my appetite yeah so like hours go by and then i realize that i'm like starving yeah um but yeah it's interesting like you know you don't seem like a like a very anxious person yeah um (laughs) is that like is it unusual for you to feel anxious or is coffee something that really it just like brings it out it definitely brings it out i don't know i think i just like I think I'm just good at masking. Yeah. To be honest, um, because the reason I laughed is because like that's what people like people say that to me all the time. Like I'll be like, oh god, like I feel like I was so anxious in that situation, or like during a show, or like on a shoot or something, and people will be like, what, really? You seem fine. And it's kind of the same when I I do the same thing when I'm drunk. Like I'll be like wasted to the point of like not being able to remember shit the next day <laughs> and people be like you seemed totally sober yeah. <laughs> um, so i don't know i think it's just like a masking thing yeah <laughs> yeah have you ever like let 
Has the mask ever fallen? Oh yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. Not not often, but I think, yeah, I, I, like, and I think it, it manifests as stress a lot of the time. Yeah, right. Like, like I know, like with my band, like I'm kind of the the person who like is do it does a lot of the organizing and stuff, and so I get I can get like quite stressed about things, and they can they can tell when I'm stressed. Yeah, like, right. Oh, stress brings out. He's here. <laughs> they know. Stress brings. <laughs> yeah. I think I just I just scowl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And logistics. Oh my oh, god. That's the worst. It's, it's so it's so oh, shit. So much so much logistics. Yeah. And I'm not a I'm not a logistics person. Like, no. It's terrible. Like I have to work really hard to be logistically fluid. Yeah. Speaking of logistics, what's your life looking like at the moment? Like I know you just got back from the States. Mm. Um, finished up filming Heartbreak High a while ago now, I guess. But yeah. what are you up to at the moment? Um, so, we, yeah, we finished up on Heartbreak in March. The first, actually, end of February. So it's been, it's been a while. That's the funny thing that, I mean, I've never really experienced before because this is the first, like, big show I've done. But, like, that gap in between, like, finishing it and then it coming out is just such a weird... Mm. interim period mm, mm, mm. and you have no idea if it's going to hit or not like we had a good feeling like everyone like loved working on it and everyone had a good feeling about it but we had no idea if it was going to so uh really yeah 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 because you were saying that before about uh you said you listen to a lot of acting podcasts mm. and you mentioned an actor from stranger things Mm. the dk harbour dk Har- harper harbour harbour yeah um yeah and how he suspect he wasn't sure that that show was going to be yeah a huge success and no, it's, he it's thought really... it was he thought it was just going to be a flop like he just yeah yeah and but he it's... says that on multiple podcasts he's like yeah i, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be any but good. you felt yeah. the same way about heartbreak no it wasn't necess- I, it wasn't that it wasn't going to be any good yeah it was just right. it was just the not knowing like you just never know with with that kind of like with any sort of production because so much of it gets uh created in the edit like you can shoot the most incredible film or the mm. most incredible tv show but if the edit screws it up or or goes in, in a completely different direction um it can just change the entire outcome yeah. of, of of it which you hear stories a lot a lot that's why you get some like you get director's cuts like because the director will shoot it and then the studio will edit it and the director kind of stops being able to have a say. Mm. The studio has the final say and the product ends up being completely different to what was intended, um, which didn't happen with Heartbreak. Like there was definitely an interesting shift in tone. Oh, really? We, from what we kind of thought to where it ended up. Not a, not a massive one, but mm. um, uh, but yeah, I was... I was gonna say so so we finished that in march and then i did a play after that and then Mm. um went traveling for a month and now i'm back and i'm just kind of auditioning for stuff here and there and um doing music stuff and surprisingly busy for like a for not having like a, a a job at the moment like i just my days are just like i'm just running around every which way wow all sorts of stuff um, do you like this kind of nomadic moving I around? No, I don't know because mm. it's very new. It's kind of new. Like I, like I've been in like you know school or like 
some sort of like a work or like some sort of structure. So it's kind of a, it's a, it's definitely like a, a struggle to keep some sort of routine. Mm. Like I found, like I've really discovered that I, as much as I didn't think I was, like I'm definitely a person who needs routine yeah. um, and structure. So trying to build that for myself is, has been a, a kind of a challenge, but I was thinking about it the other day. Cause I was like, I, I kind of, I'm always like, Oh God, I'm just like running, always running around. I'm like, never. Uh, and then my, my mates will be like, you're always doing something. You're always like busy doing this or doing that. And like I, the, the story that I've kind of always told myself is like, Oh God, like, uh, why am I doing this? But I had a thought, I was like, but I think I actually do enjoy it. Mm. Like I do enjoy the like hecticness, hecticness and like, I guess like, not over committing, but just trying to fit in so much stuff. Um, yeah, I think I like being busy. Mm. Have you always been like that? Like, because, you know, I, I think, you know, people also tell me a similar thing that, you know, I'm always like, got my fingers in too many pies, like doing too many different things. Mm. And like when I'm, spending time with friends or family they're like dude you're not here right now yeah, you know you're, yeah. you're kind of like spread yourself so thin across like all of these different projects and you know work and study and all this kind of stuff um yeah i guess like it's really interesting to hear that you enjoy it because i also enjoy it mm. but i also don't really know like i don't think i know how to take care of myself if my time isn't like you know completely full yeah. or if my mind isn't like completely preoccupied with work and yeah. commitments and stuff um yeah and i've been like i've been wondering whether i have like some kind of like anxiety addiction mm. or like seriously yeah you know? totally, like whether totally. like i can only operate if my mind is like completely absorbed by all of these tasks and projects and stuff so that's yeah. interesting. Do you feel that way about your stuff? I mean, yeah, I think it, I've had that kind of thought and also just like, I think it's like the constant distraction as well yeah. from my mind. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's something that I st struggle with to a certain extent is, is spending time just with myself, just like by myself. Cause that's when like, there's no, there's nothing in between me and my thoughts or like, uh my brain um which is why traveling traveling was really good because mm. like I, I met up with like i had mates over in new york and hung out with them a bunch um but they're also living there and like working and stuff so i did spend a fair bit of time by myself which i haven't really done for a while like when i was 18 i went traveling and i did a fair bit of travel just by myself mm. but obviously because of COVID and stuff like I haven't I haven't done it for a while and it was funny how like I remember the first day that I was just like completely by myself for the whole day being really anxious and being like oh okay who am I who am I yeah, like, and yeah, just yeah. all of this stuff just last like coming into your into your head but but it was interesting by the end of the trip I was like relishing like the time alone mm. and spending like just like I'd have someone to be like oh do you want to come and do this I'd be like oh actually I'm gonna go and just sit in the park by myself or like go to a museum or like go and walk around yeah so it's it's a, it was cool to see like how because it, it, like it was i was only away for a month but like it's cool to see that like retraining your brain in that way is is definitely like possible and it felt really good mm. 
Um, but then as soon as you get back to Sydney and as soon as you get back to your normal life, it's like it just goes back to just like hectic. Yeah, no alone time. No, no alone time. Yeah, yeah. no. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It seems like part of what you're saying, and I also feel this way as well, is that like, yeah, you know, it's really hard to have like a kind of calm and meaningful moment with yourself when you're alone, mm. you know? Um, and our lives are so busy today. You know, mm. being like a young person means like having multiple jobs, you know, social life, romantic life, like all of these different things and like very little time spent like actually appreciating like what it feels like to be, you know, in your own body, yeah. like in a, your own person. And being um, present. Yeah, and being mm-hmm. present, yeah. yeah. And like, yeah, I know, you know, you surf, you like. I try to. W- try to <laughs> like, you <laughs> know, work surf. out and stuff. You go <laughs> yeah. bouldering, like, um, yeah. Have you found that, have you found that these things like allow you to be more present and mm-hmm. I guess like more in touch with, you know, like yourself, whatever that is. Because like this thing you said when you're traveling, you know, yeah. when you're by yourself, it's really confronting. Um, and I'm wondering if like maybe when you're surfing or something, you know, because you're doing an activity, mm. maybe you're still not like fully, you know, fully there. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's mu- it's more like a meditation, like mm. like surfing and bouldering as well. Not so much the gym, like the gym, like I go to the gym, but it's like I really have to push myself to do it. It's not something that I love doing. Right. Like... I like how I feel afterwards. Like I like the feeling of being like tired from it, but I don't like, I'm not like, fuck you. Let's go to the gym. Let's go fucking bench something. Yeah. I have to like, okay, come on. And even while I'm there, I'm like every, every part of me is just like, why don't we just go now? Why don't we just leave? You've done some stuff. Let's just leave. (laughs) This is that voice. And I have to fight it to be like, no, stay and do it. You're going to feel better. But yeah, with, with like climbing and surfing and, like I used to skate and I used to scooter as well for a long time. Sick. <laughs> Until what age? Oh, uh, I reckon like 16. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I was like, that's, I was real into it. That's yeah. sick. But it was great. Like I like I met like some like lifelong friends through scooters. Like I traveled, like I went to Paris and like rode with all these like pro scooter riders and shit. Oh, like, wow. Like, really? Yeah, I was like really, really into it. Wow. Um, but with that, with all those kind of things, I, I think... I. I do see them as kind of like a meditation. Like it's kind mm. of like a mantra, but the mantra is like the trick or like the climb that you're doing where like, that's just what you're keeping in your head. Mm. And it's all you can focus on in that moment. Um, so I think that's why I really enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy it. And the thing is, and with surfing as well, I'm like terrified of sharks. Like so scared of sharks and wow. just open water. Like even if I'm in a swimming pool, yeah, I still have a fear that I'm gonna get eaten by a shark. <laughs> Shit. Like if I'm, I can't really be in a swimming pool by myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's but it's so it's a really good way of like coming up against that like fear and like just pushing through it and being mm. like, you're okay, it's okay. Hmm. And like really uh like rubbing up against it <laughs> yeah while also doing something like as you said like while like doing this mantra thing where mm. you've got a really specific 
really complex body movement mm. that you need to do mm. surfing so tough mm. you know like i tried to learn at the start of this year um and i'm not like a great swimmer you know don't have like a very strong upper body and so I really struggled with like all of these movements and stuff but you're right you know there is something really entrancing mm. about like surfing and bouldering maybe not so much the gym i haven't felt it to be because no. you know it's like too short and it's like yeah I, you don't get into the same flow state. yeah yeah like it's not like yeah i don't i don't think it's the same kind of part of your brain it's also like not a very pleasant environment no. you know like loud music <laughs> yeah. bodies everywhere like yeah. sweaty people like feeling like <laughs> you're just being observed yeah 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 do you feel the same way about acting like do you feel as though acting is like a kind of mantra meditation process for you as well like yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if it's the same kind of process. I definitely feel like acting is like when I hit into that kind of like flow state is is where I can feel like have the most fun and feel like the most free. Um, mm. Yeah, and I guess it's because it's I, like I was saying to you before, I've wanted to be an actor since I was eight. That was when I first started acting and... Wow. Just always known, which in a way I'm like, like it's obvious it's a really hard profession, but I'm also lucky that I have known what I wanted to do for so long. Because I have so many mates who are reaching this like mid 20s age and who are like, I don't know what the fuck I want to yeah. do with my life. Um, so I've always wanted, to, wanted to, to do it. And I think I've always kind of been chasing that feeling of like being like, because I did a lot of mainly theater stuff before doing film. Um, and like just chasing that feeling of being on stage mm. and um, I think as well it's just it's just really freeing because you know you have so many like anxieties and hang-ups and like uh, pressures and like hats that you wear like in normal life so being able to play a character who doesn't have any of those is just like so so freeing and so refreshing like that's what was so fun about the character in Heartbreak is that he's just such a dickhead. Like he's just such an asshole, and just speaks his mind and just like says what he thinks. Yeah. And so for me, he's like terrible at confrontation and like people pleasing and like, uh, I guess like speaking my truth in in situations. It was it was so fun <laughs> uh, to be able to kind of be liberated in that yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and like you know your personality is so far from spiders <laughs> i hope so <laughs> oh uh, yeah well you know i don't think it takes much to see like yeah. these two really different um kind of identities and yeah i was interested in hearing you know, you described Spider just then as like a dickhead and an asshole. Mm. Um, and yeah, you know, the character is like, is a huge kind of understatement, but like a very kind of, you know, obnoxious. Like whenever there's a kind of, often there's, you know, a very kind of crucial emotional moment mm. in the show when like two characters have like resolved something. And then, you know, Spider chimes in with like, oh, get yeah, a room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um yeah and like how i guess one thing i i wanted to ask you was whether you felt 
at all the kind of you know dickheadness the kind of nasty parts annoying parts of spider's character bleed into your own Mm. identity Mm. like whether you know you said that you don't like confrontation too much you're not a people pleaser you know you don't speak your mind all the time did you feel like becoming this character who does all of these things informed like your life in any way i mean i think i think i could definitely have taken like a few small leaves like out of his book but I'm like, there's, there's this, there's a big thing in acting of about like role bleed or like, you know, the cat, you like you and the character and like the line between you and the character. And, um, I've never been a big believer in it, to be honest. Like mm. I've always just been like, do my work, know my shit, get on screen or get on stage, act, and then come off and just be like, see you later. What's up? Cool. What's happening? Like. Um, I can understand staying if you're like in a really highly emotional scene where you need to like, because that's the thing, like you might be doing like five or six or like 10 takes of like you crying or you having a breakdown or like whatever. Like I can understand staying in the same like energy and emotional zone during that. But in terms of like, like while you're filming, while filming, yeah. like just because you don't want to just like drop it every time and have to work back up to it. But in terms of stuff like, bleeding into into me like i've i've never really felt felt that but that being said like i did like you know like i said like i think i could take a few leads out of his book in terms of just like being like speaking your mind and just like not giving a shit Mm. and did yeah like did you feel as though spider had many redeeming qualities because like you said you you could take a few leads out of his book but like obviously you know, you're not going to go around like calling people names yeah. all the time and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, for you, what was like, what did you see as kind of key or, you know, uh, helpful parts or kind of pleasant parts about the spider character? Mm. Well, I think it's, I think it's um, like, there's this, there's a thing that they always talk about in drama school. It's like, you don't judge your character. Like you never, like mm. even me saying like, Oh, he's a dickhead and stuff like the like drama school student in me was like, Oh no, you shouldn't have said that. No, 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 you have to, you have to side with him. But it's like, I I don't know. I think you can say that objectively Mm. because that's, that's the, his purpose in the story. Like at the end of the day, the characters are like in the story to serve a certain purpose. And his was to antagonize and to like stir the pot and cause trouble. Um, but yeah, that that being said, to answer your question, I guess like like I said, he's just like honesty and like just throwing out whatever he said, um, whether people liked it or not. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he, I feel like he was never fishing for like in anyone's approval. He would just say something, and it didn't matter if he got a negative reaction or a, or a positive reaction. He just wanted a reaction. Mm. Um, which I think, you know, in a dialed down version can be good. And I think like his loyalty as well to his friends, like throughout the show. Um, And I just think it's an interesting portrayal of like a young man, like putting on all of these like barriers and like putting up all these like facades um, because he thinks he needs to be a certain way. Yeah. Um, Which is just so common. 
Yeah. Like, so com- like, and that was just in the writing. Like, it was already there. Like, um, yeah, they did such an amazing job with all of the characters. So, like, really fleshing them out. Yeah. And that was my favorite. I think that was my favorite part of the show. Like, the way the kind of complexities of being a young person, I thought, was shown so like masterfully and so deeply like even in the character even in your character who you know is like like a kind of grates on you know the kind of the like smooth social interactions by chiming in and being annoying like it's super relatable like Mm. we've all i was like that in high school Mm. I was a real brat, like always like talking really? back. Yeah, yeah. I got really? like suspended all the time. No way. Yeah, yeah. Believe it or not. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like, and so I saw a lot of myself in the spider character. Yeah, right. Um, I got always piss people off, you know, like say stupid stuff. Um, yeah. And I got thinking about how the show, like, you know, as as the world kind of moves as the west at least seems to be moving like further and further away from like drawing clearly on something like religion Mm. for like moral inspiration or like moral lessons or social lessons and stuff it seems like people are turning to social media and tv a lot more to kind Mm. of learn about what people can be like what people can do what people shouldn't do and i really felt as though all the characters, especially your character, gave a really kind of clear moral lesson about what kind of person you should be, what kind of person you shouldn't be. Mm. Um, And yeah, I was wondering whether you felt as though the show was kind of giving young people a blueprint about how to be a good person almost. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because it's a fine line between wanting to do that and wanting to you know, showcase like morals and uh, like ethically what to, how to behave in situations. But you also don't want to spoon feed the audience because I feel like even with a young, especially with a young audience, like so many shows treat younger audiences as if they're babies, babies yeah. and not as intelligent, but like they're not. They're, if anything, they're more attuned to like uh, like the the undercurrent that's that's happening in a show or like the the morals or the or the themes or anything like that so it's yeah it's a fine line between yeah wanting to like obviously set up characters as as like i guess archetypes but i actually think the show did a good job at not creating too many like archetype archetypes but um yeah and 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 then also so yeah, basically you don't you don't want to you don't want to spend feed the audience uh, what you think the moral lesson should be. It should be thrown out there, and it's the same with any art. It should just be put out there for the viewer or the audience to make their own decisions mm. on. Like you shouldn't be presenting like this is right and this is wrong. It should be just like here is the situation. How the only way for you to learn is for you to make up your own mind about it, um, which I think they did they did really well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing you said about like the show not having any archetypes mm. was really true because mm. even Spider. Well, that's the thing. Know? It's like is he's like could he's kind of the bully. Yeah, but then also like he's not like 
homophobic or like any of those like classic tropes that a bully might be. Yeah. Um, like there's a bit in the first episode where like Ant's name is on the map and uh, he got like a wristy from Darren and one of Spider's lines is like, why don't you tell us? And it's not like a, he's just like, why don't you just say it? Like, yeah. and there's, it's, I always found that moment really interesting for the character because like he's the kind of archetype that usually would, would have been yeah, pounce on that, pounce yeah, on that yeah, and yeah. use it. Um, I think it's the same across, across all of the characters. Like they're all pretty unique and mm. you can kind of fit them into a certain archetypal category, but you also can't, mm. which is really refreshing. Mm. Yeah, it is really refreshing. Um, and something else, like, I guess kind of staying on this topic of moral lessons and stuff. Um, before we were talking about how you weren't, you know, you kind of didn't know, you didn't anticipate the success of the show. Mm. Um, and I was, I, before watching the show, I didn't realize how politically and socially and racially complex the show was. Mm. Um, and it really made me think about how, like, literate the next generation of young people yeah. must be yeah. to be able to, like really love and engage with a show like this yeah. because it's so complex. Like, you know, the show talks about these incredibly sensitive topics that, you know, many people today are afraid to talk about like consent and gender um, and racism and police brutality mm. um, and all and rumors and all of this kind of stuff where there isn't, you know, a kind of clear, you know, like there isn't, it isn't something that everyone feels comfortable talking about. And it really made me like hopeful. Like I mm. rarely feel hopeful about the future, yeah. but I felt really <laughs> like seriously. Yeah. I was like, yeah. for this show to have been so widely loved, like especially by what I see, like because a lot of the people who responded to, um, a lot of people who sent me questions for you were younger mm. people. Like mm. I was curious when on their profiles, you know, 15, 16. Mm. Um, it's a pretty big age gap between us and them. Yeah. But for them to like, you know, really be enjoying a show like this and feel like it's kind of making sense to them. I was like, you know, this next generation of young people must just be so much more attuned to these conversations about, you know, race equality you know building gender. a better future gender yeah. yeah well i think i think they definitely are like and i think that like there's a lot of downsides to social media um but i also think that like the access that kids have these days to i just sound so old kids these days kids these days um but like <laughs> Um, like the access that they have to like information and to like to movements as well to be like or to communities like even compared to when we were probably that age like it's just grown so exponentially in the last like five or six years um, and like it, it really we are really going into a different like age and I think the society is really shifting because everything is so connected like mm. You know, fandoms can be like people from all across the world 
just for one to make one example or like you know you can be a part of like uh like any sort of subculture where like say 20 years ago or 15 years ago the only way you'd know about it is like maybe through like a uh what are they called like a chat not a chat room like, like a, a forum a forum or something, yeah, or like yeah. something like that and like to be like able to access the board it, like, yeah and then you'd like be in that community like that whereas now it's just like you can click on a hashtag and it's like boom oh there's someone else who likes this thing and then there's someone else who feels this way or identifies the same way as i do um and so everyone is just so much more interconnected which i think is one of the yeah one of the upsides of social media i guess but mm. especially for like the next generation coming through yeah and it just makes them so much more aware mm. of things. Like if something happens, people know immediately. Like yeah. it's not like it takes a day or two days for it to come across to yeah, instant. us. Like it's like instant. Instant. Um, and it also just reflects to kids or to young adults like how they can exist in the world and, and seeing themselves reflected like with a character, like a non-binary character like Darren or like an autistic character like Quinny um played by james and chloe um it just opens up this world for young adults going oh that's me that like that i can that's how i feel and that's how i identify and it just gives i feel like it would give them strength and like the ability to be like okay cool like i can do that as well yeah right. it's okay yeah it's okay for me to like yeah for me not to be how everything is telling me to be yeah yeah yeah, it's amazing. Like I've got a friend who teaches and he teaches, I think like young kids like under 10 or something and there's like, like they all ask each other their pronouns in class and like, yeah, it's amazing. It's just like- In Sydney. In Sydney, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, in like a outside of like extracurricular, not mm. school. But yeah, it's um, the shift is, yeah, it's already happening, but it's going to be amazing to see what happens in the next kind of five or 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Especially when those kids start to get into positions of power. Yeah. Like, which is already happening. Mm. But um, yeah, it's going to be, I think it'll be a, an amazing shift. I hope it'll be an amazing shift. Yeah. And did you feel, because one one of the most beautiful parts of the show for me was the kind of racial and ethnic diversity of the mm. cast. You know, like there are people people of color mm. like all the most of the main characters you know are brown south asian southeast asian you know there's such a real uh, such a true reflection of like you know what australia yeah what australian cities are actually like you know they aren't these you know exclusively white places mm. um and it got me thinking about your character like you know a white male mm. who is kind of typecasted as the annoying asshole. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it was the token, like... token white guy. Yeah, the token white guy. <laughs> um, and one... I wondered like what you felt the role of having an annoying white character was. Mm. Because it's, you know, it's really inverting like the racial criticism that we usually... That historically has put people of color as the kind of you know uncivilized you know like annoying outside character but in this show it did that with 
a white man. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess like what for you, what was the importance? What do you see as the importance of something like this happening? Well, it's the same kind of thing as like in terms of, like representation, like to see that. I think to see it on screen is really important and to see that shift to being like, no, like the white white people are, if not all the time, most of the time, like the aggressors or the bullies or uh, disruptors. Um, and also, like I think when they are portrayed, when, when you do see a white person on, on screen as that kind of character a lot of the time it comes with like a certain amount of privilege. Like they're a rich, they're rich or they're from like wealth or something like that. So it kind of, it, it gets linked in with that as opposed mm. to just them as a, as a person. Um, whereas, I mean, I'm not sure what's happening in season two. We might find out about Spider's family and maybe he is rich. I don't know, but um, it's never kind of, his like socioeconomic status is never explored. He just, yeah. You know, it's it's not saying, oh, he's an arsehole, but he's an arsehole because he's got like rich parents and they were never home and like any of that kind of stuff. It's just like, no, he's just he's just a he's just being a dick. <laughs> um, yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, it does make yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just like I think it was it was just it's it's interesting to just see like a, a white male character in in that uh, like represented in, in that way yeah without, without those other things yeah yeah and i wonder whether yeah like have you had any insights into the kind of political leanings of the people who are watching the show because it's like i like from the outside it's it's a very progressive show mm. um and i wonder whether like you know kind of people more conservative people would be frustrated, you know, with the depiction of like, oh, like, look, you know, the straight white guy, like what an yeah, asshole. Copying it again. Yeah, copying uh, it again, yeah. you know, like, has there been, have you got many insights into this, like, area? To be honest, I haven't. Like, yeah. in terms of like the feedback or like messages I get, like, they're all, mo like, I haven't, I've yet to get one that has really kind of floored me and has made me, like, feel... A certain way yeah like they've all been so lovely and, oh. and uh really nice feedback but i know that other cast members have gotten so much copped a lot of flack from people being like bloody pc like political agenda blah 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 and like the, i know that the writers have and oh really yeah yeah, yeah for sure wow. like, i think it's a like it's a smaller percentage but it's definitely been there but to be, to be honest they're not the kind of people who are going to be watching the show anyway yeah exactly like and even like taking the time to do that, yeah. to, to write a message to yeah. find to find who wrote the show that you hate, and then write a message to them saying how much you hated it. Yeah. It's like, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you care so yeah, much seriously. Yeah, about something you don't like? But um, yeah, to be honest, yeah, it hasn't actually been. I was surprised. I thought I'd cop way more flack. Really? But I think that yeah, like people obviously don't like like don't love Spider. There are certain people like who who you know see like the redemption and stuff, but like I think for the most part everyone's separated the character and me and mm. yeah, which has been really nice. Yeah, and what's I guess how has your life changed since the show? Like, because you said before we before we were on mic, you said that it's been that it's your first like big mm. commercial gig. Mm. Um, 
How's your life changed? Um, it's well, I so I went away uh, like the week after the show came out, so it was still kind of just getting a bit of momentum, and then it kind of got bigger while I was in the states, um, which was really interesting because like I started getting recognized in New York, which really? was insane. Yeah, and like I'd get messages from people being like, "Hey, I was just sitting next to you on the subway, but I was too nervous to say anything." Um, Whoa! <laughs> yeah, so that was that was a, a strange kind of uh thing to happen and then coming back to australia it's just been even more hectic like i can't like every everywhere i go like it'll either be someone someone will say something or i'll just see someone will just be like double take or we'll just be staring um and or every interaction i have is like so lovely and everyone's like we love the show like it was so like it really touched us or whatever the reaction was but it's definitely kind of amplified a bit of anxiety for me, like feeling like I'm being watched or observed or like, like I was just listening to your episode with Abby Chatfield and it was interesting hearing, I mean, obviously she's on a much, much bigger scale um, with the, the following that she has, but like, um, yeah, I really connected with what she was saying about like, not being able to do anything without feeling like you might potentially be being watched. Like I was out the other night at the Imperial, which is a, a like a pub kind of dancey vibe. And then like two people, two people came up to me and someone came up to me like with my headshot was like, is this you? And I was like, yep. <laughs> and then like, uh, I didn't even realize, but then like apparently this other person was just filming me like, oh, from, wow. like, across the dance floor and I had no idea. Like, it was fine. Like, I was not in, like, a terrible state, but it's just, like, a weird feeling of being observed mm. at all times. Um, but that being said, like I said, like, every interaction I've had with people has just been so, so nice. Yeah. And there is a part of me that really likes it. There is a part of me that likes it and likes the recognition for, like, the work that I've done and that I've wanted to do since I was a kid. But then there's another part of me that's like, ah, I want to hide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you want to be... The duality of it is very interesting. <laughs> yeah. And what are your ambitions around fame? Because mm. what you're describing is the experience of a famous person. In the West, mm. micro-celebrity. Oh, well, <laughs> obviously not because of New York, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. international macro-celebrity. Micro <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, what... You know, because, yeah, you mentioned Abby Chatfield. I mm. spoke with Abby about, uh, yeah, you know, the kind of really uncomfortable feeling about feeling of not being able to do anything freely anymore mm. once you become a celebrity of a certain status. Yeah. Um, because there are eyes and cameras, mm. you know, you're being filmed. Yeah. That's or even what I film. Like, I've had a few instances where I've put something up and then, like, of like a friend or like whatever and then nothing terrible has happened but it's just i've been in situations where i've been i've been like oh wow i actually need to think about what i'm putting mm. like posting on like a story or whatever mm. like i can't just kind of be like Bleh! like it's i actually need to kind of monitor what i'm what i'm doing it's cool that you still have autonomy to do that mm. you know mm. you don't have someone like breathing down your neck no. being like don't 
poster. poster. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I have a very mixed relationship with social media. Like, I'm so addicted to it. Mm. There's no denying that I'm addicted to it, but I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a great book called um, Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. Uh, have you read it? You, no, I haven't. It's, it's it's just about how our, our our focus and our attention span is just like completely being cut away living in in the society that we live in and it talks Mm. a lot about instagram and a lot about social media and how they're literally building it to keep you addicted and to keep you uh hooked on it because that's how they make money but it talks about like all sorts of different factors as well like you know just like even like living in a city and the amount of noise and the amount of stimulation like visually like the amount of stimulation and like sleep and uh diet and all of these things that are just contributing to us having like a a far more restricted attention span and i can definitely track like i think it was probably i was like 16 or maybe 15 when instagram kind of came out and became a thing and like or like snapchat as well like i can pinpoint when i like stopped reading books Mm. as much as i used to to when like social media became way more of a thing and my my attention span started to get affected and now like i i still like i love reading books but it it's so much more of an effort to do it than it used to be yeah i'm um, the exact same i wonder whether there are many people our age or whether there are any people like who have a smartphone who haven't had this experience of like mm. complete almost like brainwashing mm. you know like oh, it totally is brainwashing, yeah 100%. being hooked so deeply by these apps and stuff yeah um yeah, and like on social media, have you, because I guess, you know, you do many things. You're acting, Mac the Knife, your mm. band, um, you know, your your life takes a number of different shapes and in order for you to share it with people most effectively, I imagine social media yep. is the kind of like no-brainer. It's, it's the only way. Yeah. It's kind of, we're in a position now where it's like, dependent yeah totally like especially like with the band and stuff like like i'll have to be i'll be like okay i need to make a post and then i'll like make a post but i'll just be like i don't want to be i don't want to be doing this like i don't want to be on here and i'll just do it and i'll be like Ugh, and like get rid of it but then i'll, I'll just like keep checking and see how many likes it's gotten mm. <laughs> so it's like but it's yeah it's a necessary evil like you can't that's how i see my like my own instagram as well it's just like a business card like you have to you just have to have it yeah like there's no real way around it. Like you can totally get away with not having it, but it's definitely easier. Yeah, especially like when you're forging your, you know, identity exactly. as an actor. Yeah, because yeah. it's only it's also a way that you can control. I mean, that's the thing is like social media is complete is like completely false and like not for everyone, but like it's just how you want to be seen and how you want to portray yourself. Mm. Um, but it's like one of the only ways you can control what's being put out about you. Yeah. 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 Uh, jumping back a little bit, um, I asked you before about your motivations around fame. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I want to press you on this because I'm interested. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it seems really awful to feel like you can't go anywhere and not and not feel like you're being watched Mm. that like i imagine for many people that's 
a real that would be a real nightmare mm. and also what i imagine a lot of people feel anyway like you know self-consciousness this kind of thing like trying to be trying not to stand out when you're in public and stuff i think mm. this is like a big part of the anxious mind mm. um but going back to fame do you like is it because i guess you know to be well, I guess depending on your definition of success, to be famous, to be successful requires being famous. Mm. Um, so yeah, what like what does what are your ambitions around success and kind of like where do you hope to be? Yeah, as an actor, I don't think I don't have any ambitions in terms of fame. Like I don't want to be a celebrity or I don't want to be famous or any anything like that. I just want to be in a position where I can do the work that I really want to do and that I really care about. Like mm. the dream would be to get to a level where I can get sent projects and I can go, cool, I really want to work on this or I really want to work on that um, or produce my own work or like it's, yeah, for me it's about the work and the access that fame or like being well-known can give give to that. But it's cool. Like I listened to a podcast with, with Ewan McGregor like recently and he was talking about it they were like can you go to the shops and just and you know can it is it normal or is it always weird and he's like no like i'm like at a level where like i'm famous but not like a huge celebrity kind of household name like every, people know who he is but he can still get away with just like living a life that sounds pretty pretty ideal mm. maybe to a lesser like a little bit less <laughs> Yeah, that would be pretty famous. sick. Yeah. <laughs> this is pretty sick. But yeah, I think it's I think it's just about opening up doors and like being able to work on things that really get me going. Yeah. That's the dream. That's and, the yeah, absolute dream. Yeah. And what's next? You said that uh I saw recently that there's a season two. Yeah. So people are, I have to ask you because <laughs> I'll get slammed if I don't, but can you give do you know much about What's going to happen? I, d I know some stuff, but I can't say anything. NDAs? ND oh, yeah. NDAs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not even allowed to say that. <laughs> NDA on the NDA. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can't give it away. But you don't want, you don't want yeah, to give no, it away. No, you, wanna, no. you need the anticipation. Yeah, Otherwise, wanna, it's no fun. Yeah, but there's some great stuff. There's some really cool stuff. Very exciting stuff that they have. I think... They were able to kind of like get the vibes in the first season of what the tone of the show is. And now that they've got it, like it's all of the ideas that the writing team that I've, the, the few that I have heard are, um, are really, really fun. Really fun. Sick. So that's going to be something you're working on? Uh, like uh, next year. Next year. Next year. Yeah. So what else? A, it's a while away. What else um, is going on? Just auditioning for projects like it's kind of at a time of the year where everything's just getting a bit quieter mm. um but there's some cool stuff happening it's interesting like like i said this is the first time i've been on a project of this kind of scale and so like yeah it's interesting learning about how like the contracts work and stuff for being on a show like this like so i'm contracted for for uh three seasons so heartbreak is like my first contract and takes obligation over anything else so for the moment as long like until like as long as heartbreak's going if anything clashes with that then uh 
I can't do it essentially. So heartbreak takes priority, which is great. Like, and it's brilliant to be able to be working, but it's just been an interesting thing to learn how it works. Mm. Um, so it's just going to be trying to find like, like I'd love to get onto something else before we start, but the reality of like something happening to be filmed between January and whenever we're meant to be shooting next year um, is slim, but you never know. Mm. Um, but just like more music stuff, we've recorded an EP. And so we just put out the first single, Labor in Vain, like a month or so ago. And then we've got, we'll put out another single early next year. Um, and I'm also writing a project with a friend. And so we want to try and get that kind of finished off. It's been like in the process for a long, long time. So we need to just like sit down and every time we meet up, we're like, we need to finish the show. What's the show yeah. about? Uh, it's about, about, it's about drama school. Oh, sick. Yeah. So it's about, it's about a student at drama school, which every person who goes to drama school has the same idea. So we're also like, we need to do it before someone else does it. <laughs> um, but I think it's got legs. I think it's good. <laughs> Are you going to be acting in it? Uh, probably. I'd love to, probably, but maybe not. I'm not I sure. I mean, you call the shots, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's your <laughs> show. Um, that'd be the dream, but I yeah. mean, maybe by the time we finish it or it gets up, we'd be too old, so. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's kind of my main, main things. And then just, um, yeah, I, I want to do some like some more classes and stuff as well. Like I just acting love, stuff. Yeah, acting stuff. Like I just love learning about it and like love learning different different people's approaches and what works for you and what doesn't work and yeah. Mm. Like I said, just keeping keeping busy. <laughs> do you have any favorite like do you have any favorite TV shows? Ooh. This year The Bear has been like a massive massive standout like mm. i loved that show mm. like every from from the cinematography to the acting to like the edit to like the grade of it like it's just like phenomenal um and then succession is coming out as well soon which oh. is so exciting well i just finished <laughs> oh, really? season two. Oh my god yeah oh, so good oh it's just brilliant it's just so like shaxperian yeah like well brian cox was a Shakespeare actor. Shakespeare actor yeah 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 they're all brilliant brilliant actors uh so yeah i'm really excited for that wow they're too <laughs> what did what did you think as a first time viewer of the of of it of succession of succession yeah. um oh i mean like i don't think i've ever seen such like wicked human <laughs> behavior before yeah. like you know the backstabbing mm. And like the total pursuit of power mm. and control is like, yeah, you know, it really made me like afraid of like what happens <laughs> at that high yeah, level. At that high oh, level totally. you know? And because you watch it and you're like, this can't be true, but yeah. like it is. It, there's no way it's not. Yeah. It's mean, probably to a worser extent. Yeah, seriously. Like, like imagine all the stuff that is hush hush and, you oh. know. So much behind closed doors, burnt documents. Oh no, like yeah. you know, the file cabinet lost, flooded. Yeah, we lost the USB. Yeah, or whatever. Shit. yeah. Oh. oh, there would be so much. Yeah, now we're getting into conspiracy theories. <laughs> <laughs> Are you into them? <laughs> I I don't know. I'm not like into into them, but yeah. I definitely have like the like I just I just know there's like shit going on that we we 
don't know about and we're not aware of or that we only get fed like a certain amount like yeah right like with all the like the epstein stuff that happened like i remember watching the doco about it and stuff and my main takeaway from it my the biggest thought that i had was like well this is the one that has been caught and that we're allowed to you know hear about allowed allowed, but like that we're being marked Mm. like sold or whatever um but the amount of like similar shit that would be happening that we don't know about is just like insane yeah Yeah. and it's really like yeah the epstein stuff is you know so dark Mm. um but the kind of you know his web Mm. like the people he's connected to you know, like the royal family, all these celebrities in his plane. Yeah. You know, Trump. Like crazy. Yeah. I went to see. Do you know a band called Idols? No, I don't. Uh, they're like this British punk band. They're f- they're fucking great, but they're very anti like monarchy and stuff. And I went to see them last week. And uh, oh, they're in Sydney. They're in Sydney. Oh, yeah, sick. it was it was a. Ama- you should have a listen to them. They're they're really like I I. The album that is my favorite is called Joy is an Act of Resistance. And it kind of talks about toxic masculinity and like class division and like, uh, I guess, social media and or like the media in general. Like it, it's it's an amazing punk album. Like it's it's phenomenal. But yeah, at that at their gig, like the lead singer was like, on the count of three, everyone say, fuck the king. And then the whole audience was just like, fuck the king. And then he was just like, bunch of pedos. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Whoa, huge. It was, yeah, it was pretty huge. Yeah, especially, uh, yeah, it's so recently after the queen's death. But yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, it's pretty punk. <laughs> whoa. Yeah. yeah. What's like, are you, are you kind of driven by or impacted by the like punk political psychology much not so much like not politically i don't think like i find it hard to like stand on a soapbox and and talk about politics in that way most of my writing is like in like from from like my own introspection and like my own like mental health or like depression or like anxiety or like uh, like interactions that i have or um yeah, so it's kind of more like a social, like social commentary as opposed to like political, hmm. I guess. Um, yeah. And what's been your experience of your mental health post show, or, or just, just like in general? yeah, in general, but also post show? Yeah. Like, did you feel much of a kind of like as the show was taking off? Did you feel you know a big kind of boost, and then? A crash or like what? yeah it was definitely like a, a tra- like a, a roller coaster like like the high like the anxiety of it coming out to be honest i was never that super anxious about it coming out like i was like no i think i think people will like it mm. think, yeah because i'd seen the i'd seen four episodes i think but before it came out or maybe i'd seen the whole thing i can't remember but i was have like, you no, watched the whole thing yeah 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 um uh but I was like, no, people will like this. People will really enjoy it. Um, but there was definitely still some like anxiety and like just unknowing like mm. what would happen. Like we just didn't know what would happen. Um, and then, yeah, massive highs of it coming out and then lows of just like 
I guess waiting to because we weren't sure we were gonna like we we genuinely didn't know if we were gonna get a second season until like a week or so ago when it got announced. Like, wow, we found out the same day that everyone else. Oh, really? Yeah, it wasn't like a oh surprise. Like it was like no, we didn't know. <laughs> wow. Um, but like being on set and like doing doing it was like just like the best time for my mental health because I was just doing what I wanted to be doing. Mm. That's the really hard thing about being, you know, being an actor or being a creative is you can't you're not always gonna be doing the work that you want to be doing like or in a position where you where you can be working um yeah i think before like because i worked i worked on a show called mr in between which was uh like just a tiny role but it was a brilliant show like brilliant australian crime aussie like drama um there's a terrible definition but it's like about a hitman and kind of before I'd booked that, like I'd come out of drama school and COVID had hit and stuff. And so it had affected everything, but there was still like auditions going around, but there's, there was definitely some like big lows there of like, what am I doing? This isn't going anywhere. I don't know if this is going to work. Like you just, and even now, like even after the show coming out, like I'm still in that position mm. of being like, like I haven't booked any other work. Was it a one-off? <laughs> Like, I don't have that thought too badly. Like, I have the faith that, you know, more work will come. But uh, there's definitely days where it's easy to, like, slip into, like, I guess, like, a, a darker state of mind of being, like, mm. what am I doing? Like, how am I going to sustain myself for the rest of my life doing this? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I came off, I came off antidepressants, like, probably six months ago. Uh, and I'd been on them for like two or three years. And I kind of, it just got to a point where I was like, I don't know if I need to be on these anymore. Um, so I think I, I, I think I was coming off them when I was on the show. So maybe it was, maybe it was longer than six months, but like, mm. um, that was really good as well. Like the, the kind of the clarity that I was like, was able to find after, like it was hard weaning off them. Um, but once I was off them, like being able to cry again and like just feel like, cause, uh, cause like obviously an antidepressant just keeps you within the, like stops you from spiking and stops you from getting the lows and just keeps you within the, like the brackets of, of feeling like, okay. But being, but like, I kind of like loved the feel, like the feeling the like the highs and the lows, like mm -hmm. having that come back. Um, yeah, and so, and there's been a few times recently where I've been like, oh, do I need it? Should I go back on them? But like when I've been in like a really bad bad state, but like no, I feel like I'm pretty happy. Like, and I feel like I have much more of an understanding of my brain and being able to deal with how I'm feeling than I had when I first started taking those. Mm. So, and what's your what's your depression like? How does it manifest? It's it 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 kind of is. To be honest, a lot of it is linked to like how I've been like treating my body. Like if I've been going out and uh, having like late nights or if I haven't been getting much sleep or if I've been eating like shit or whatever, like it'll come through and it'll just like hit me like a train. Like uh, and it'll it's kind of like a real mix of depression and anxiety of like you're never going to get to this and then like the anxiety of feeling that. Mm. of feeling like um, you're never going to be able to get to where you want mm. and it's just also depression around like 
self, like my sense of self and like who I am as a person and like self-love and like I get a lot of like self, like loathing or like not hate, hatred is a strong word, but like that, those kind of feelings, I guess. Um, but again, with the mask thing, like I feel like I'm good at like putting on the mask of being okay. Mm. Which yeah. is like, which is sad mm. because it's sad that it has like that it has to be masked exactly in order for yeah. you know to participate in society because it's hard to like you know as you know like like a big part of my life has been depression and anxiety mm. um, something I'm always thinking about and talking about and you know in order to do stuff like in order to record this interview in order to like you know take things seriously work hard it really requires like silencing a huge part of who i am mm. which is this kind of anxious and depressed person um and yeah it's really interesting hearing you speak about antidepressants as this kind of thing that really narrows like the scope of your emotions mm. like dulls the highs dulls the lows and you mm. just kind of exist in this weird spectrum um yeah and I guess I'd like to know more about this kind of uh, like self-loathing that you described because mm. this is something that I feel really deeply as well. Mm. And I often feel it in response to thoughts about like my work. Yeah. Like, you know, am I doing what I should be doing? Mm. Am I like making good work? Mm. Do people care? You know, like... Do my family care? Um, do I care? Like, how do I even know if I care? Mm. So, yeah, what's this, this I guess, a big question, but what's mm. this self-loathing like? I'm still, I'm still very much, like, working, <laughs> working it out, yeah. with, like, with my therapist. Like, we literally had a session about it yesterday. She's like, where, why, where does it come from? And I was like, I don't, like objectively I can look at myself and be proud of myself. And I do have moments of like, like self pride and like, I guess self love, but like it then just gets engulfed by like, uh, like my critical self and my, and like it gets just torn down. Mm. It's kind of like tall poppying, I guess, of just like, as soon as I kind of feel like I've, achieved something or done something that i'm proud of like my brain immediately is just like no like don't feel like that you you can't feel like that you haven't you haven't done as well as you think or you haven't uh uh like you haven't done as well as you're telling yourself that you have um so it's just like a constant battle of mm. like uh of trying to feel like I can support myself, like I can be my own fan. Um, like even saying that, saying, saying like be my own fan, like I really struggle like to say. Um, it's so hard. Yeah. The self-love stuff mm. is so hard. That's what was really cool. Like I was kind of mentioning it before off, off mic um, about America and like how people there just like back themselves 100%. 
like I had so many people bef- like so I had meetings and stuff while I was over there and I had so many people be like don't go into a meeting and be all like coy and Australian and be like oh yeah like I did this thing and like you know like mm. like they were like no you have to go in and be like yeah I did this thing and it was a global hit and like blah 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 you just because as soon as you if you don't if you kind of don't I guess sell it or you don't like sound proud of yourself they're like wait what why do you, you want do you want this yeah do you want, <laughs> what what are you doing yeah why are you here <laughs> um so it was a it, that was a really good learning experience to go in and actually be like no like i'm my own fan like i'm like like i back myself um yeah hmm. do you feel do you feel like how do you feel like in Australia um, we're taught how to like do self-love? Mm. I don't think, I don't think particularly well, to be honest. Like I think that the tall poppy thing is really like really prevalent mm. and like really can impact people. Like especially like mm, I was going to say, especially with men, I don't know if that's the case though, to be honest, like I'm sure it's across the board, but like it's definitely like a toxically masculine trait of like cutting down your mates and like any sort of tiny kind of achievement. And it can be like, it like, I don't think I've ever used the term microaggression, but it can be like a tiny thing, like a little micro thing of like, yeah, right. Okay. Sure. Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, can be tiny things like that that, like, over time, just like chip away at your self confidence and chip away at your your ability to like stand Mm. up and be like, no, this is my thing. Um. Yeah. But I. Yeah. I don't. I mean, it. I think that we are so much more aware of mental health than like past generations have been and i think it's 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 going to lead to some incredible incredible things in the future like we we're talking about with like the like young adults and mm-hmm. stuff and like just the awareness of mental health is just so much higher than uh i mean wh- i mean when i was in high school it was definitely there like it was 100% there the awareness um, the awareness yeah. but i feel like it's probably it's just going to get more and more and more and more like um but compared to say like our grandparents' generation where everything's kind of like shut down and repressed and not spoken about, like I feel like everything is is much more in the open and much more um, like it's discussed way more. Yeah, and it's okay to discuss it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I love discussing it. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Seriously, like, I've it's to a the point best. I'm just like, I just absolutely love talking about it. You have because to. It's, because yeah. that's the only way that you can feel better. Yeah. Like, like I'll have like a good therapy session and I'll be like, oh, oh my God. Just talk, just talking about it is just like, has such a positive impact. Mm. Have you listened to The Imperfects, the podcast? Yeah. Uh, is it the New York Times one? No, it's Australian. It's Australian. Oh, okay. So it's got Ryan Shelton and Hugh Van Kallenberg and Hugh's brother. I'm going to forget. No. Oh. They weren't, they weren't near this. <laughs> um, but it's amazing. It's just like these three guys and they just talk to guests about mental health and anxiety and imperfection. And there's like kind of different formats that they have. Like one of them is like the Academy of Imperfection where 
or no, the, the vulnerability house where someone will come on and they'll get three, they'll have, there's like a deck of cards with different things written on them and then they'll have three really deep questions and they'll get to pick one of them. Like, do you, how do you think your parents impacted your life? Or like, uh, what's something that you're deeply, deeply ashamed of? Or like something, and then they'll just speak about that. Or mm. then they also have a segment where they get a psychologist on who then, who will analyze something that someone has said from a past episode. Mm and like unpack it yeah right but just listening to their conversations about mental health and how open they are and uh it's just so it's just so refreshing it's just so good to listen to especially male voices mm. um yeah it's brilliant and that's yeah I've, I've only started listening to that this year but it's been like really eye-opening and kind of life-changing yeah i'll have to check um, it out oh, it's, it sounds it's so good it's so good yeah i bet yeah, yeah and you said something really interesting just then that like there is a real lack of like male activism mm. with regards to certain things. Mm. Like um, I think there are, I was thinking about this earlier today. I was like many of the kind of main social critic figures in Australia who'd like, kind of shape you know the social media landscape and the opinions and do all the like incredible hard lifting talking about gender race you know politics going on podcasts going on youtube going on tv so few of them are men mm. and i don't like you know part of me is like male psychology is just so like so fucked <laughs> like seriously you know it's just like yeah. it's become this like really well it's always been this like extremely fragile thing that is hidden behind oh you know like bravado yeah bravado like yeah. oh it doesn't matter you yeah. know like this like toxic mask stuff that's mm. been spoken about for years but yeah like it's i mean it's really like beautiful to be able to have a conversation with you about this because a lot of the interviews I do where someone is very vulnerable about their own mental health, it's not a man. No. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, fear out of fear of it affecting their work or fear of it, you mm. know, like kind of revealing something very private to them. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, you know, how do you feel about like male psychology? Um, because you know it's a huge it's a huge thing mm. and i think it's something that you know i'm not saying anything new here but i think it's something that needs to be said again and again mm. it's something that male psychology is something that is like completely seems to be completely inaccessible mm. for men like there is no like either you're like a Jordan Peterson fan yeah. and you know, you're like 12 rules for life. I'm going to clean my room, get shredded. Like, you know, <laughs> like whey protein, this vibe <laughs> or, you know, like you're, you're not that. Yeah. And like, what's the alternative Yeah. for young men outside of like this Jordan Peterson stuff? So yeah. Do you have any thoughts about, about this? Well, I think it's definitely changing. Like, I think it is shifting like this podcast, um, uh the imperfects that i was talking about is 
I think is doing incredible work at like shifting that and like taking the, I guess the stigma away from men talking about mental health, which is just such a, it's just so broken. Like it's just such a broken thing that we're trapped in. And and I feel like it can be easy to be in a bubble where, you know, men are more open about the mental health and be like, Oh yeah, cool. Like, you know, it's changing and stuff, but in reality, like the most of Australia or most of the world, like it's not shifting at all. Um, but I think it, it comes down to like how you educate your children and like how you uh, give them permission to, to be vulnerable or to, to, to exist in the world. Um, but also it comes like, down to TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like and, Heartbreak and how, High gives mm. super clear, gives you a super clear rubric for like, talking about your feelings mm. no totally. it shows both sides shows like the supportive character and the character is being vulnerable mm. you know no exactly um but yeah like watching like my sister i have two nephews and watching my sister bring up uh those two boys who were kind of like pre one's just pre-teen and the other one's like under 10 and um it's just incredible to watch her like mother and educate them in, in such a beautiful and vulnerable way about like, you know, things like consent or things like, uh, like anger or, or fear or frustration or, um, dealing with, with hardship like because i lived with them during lockdown last year for like two or three months and it was just it just gave me so much like hope and and faith in the world like seeing the way that she uh was was bringing them up and i don't think it's purely it's not purely based on your your upbringing your parents you can definitely make a shift away from Mm. however you've been brought up but i think that's a, a big factor um but there's no denying that like we need more people of influence talking speaking openly about mental health and about especially men's you know men's mental health and male vulnerability uh like there's a great imperfects episode with a boxer called Harry Garside who's like a he was I think he was at the Olympics and like he did really well I I can't remember but like he's very successful but like he wears skirts like he's incredibly open and vulnerable talks about fragile masculinity and toxic masculinity and like he's just like this like on the outside this like really staunch strong male figure of a boxer like which is just like the epitome of like masculinity and like the big like uh like shredded but like he's just like so open and so vulnerable um, and then, yeah, I think we mean, we just need more figures like him, especially in sport as well. Like, which is, is just cl- like classically such a toxically like masculine kind of environment to be in. Um, yeah. Hmm. Well, Hey, I think we've chatted for a while. It's been <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. It's been, it's been a lot so, of fun. so lovely. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. Hey, thank you for, thank you for chatting with me, Bryn. Um, and yeah, I think like what, what advice last, 
yeah last thing <laughs> short though yeah what advice do you have for like a lost young person I think that time can heal not all wounds but can heal a lot of things and that what you're feeling right now is going to pass and at some point you'll look back at it and that feeling of being lost or that feeling of being outcast or alone or uh, depressed or whatever the hurdle may be, you will look back at it and see that that is, was a huge defining part of your life and that you wouldn't be able to be the person that you are today without that. Like, I think that we need, like, we need tears. It's like a muscle. We like, we need tears and we need rifts in order for them to heal, reheal and be stronger. So even in a, in a dark time, you know that future you will look back and see it as, as being something that formed you and that formed your life. That's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for the Improv. advice. Thank you. Hey, can I give you a hug? Yeah, of course. Aww. Aww. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Thanks Thank so you. much. That was so fun. You're so welcome. That was so fun. That was great. I feel like I just got lost in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs>